we're in the book of Ephesians. Paul spends the beginning part of the book talking about what God did when he saved you. It was incredible what he did. Uh, forgave you, redeemed you, adopted you, made you his child, sealed you. Uh, spends chapter 2 talking about it's by grace, through faith. Put your faith and trust in Christ who offers you salvation. Can't work, can't earn it. Chapter 3 talks about the difficulties that come in as a Christian. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean it's a life of ease. That's just the opposite. Difficult things are going to happen because God needs to be, for you to be a witness and a testimony and a light in a dark world. And then we get to chapter 4 and basically Paul says this. Okay, now because God's done all this stuff, grow. Be mature. God didn't save you just so you have a ticket to go to heaven. God saved you so that you can grow and you can become more like Christ while you're here on this earth. So that you can be a light and a testimony to other people. In order to do that, you're going to have to grow. And so Paul talks about the idea that growth in the Christian life is assumed, it's expected. Um, God expects all of us to grow. We all grow at different rates. We all grow at different stages. But God expects all of us to grow. And ultimately, the goal is for us to be mature and complete and, 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 and reflect Christ in a good way. And so Paul starts talking about that, and he gets partway into chapter 4, halfway through chapter 4, and he introduces this concept of put off, put on. He said the Gentiles do it this way, Christians do it this way. And he starts to make a distinction between the way the world does things and the way Christians do things, and he calls it put off, put on. And he talks about things we need to get rid of. We need to get rid of lying, and we need to learn to live honestly with one another. We need to um, stop being so focused on us, and we need to be generous and give and, and meet the needs of those around us and serve others. Last week, we talked about six things that Paul lists that you need to get rid of. And um, he talked about the idea of bitterness. So we talked about the idea that bitterness will destroy you. Um, anger, slander, yelling. Losing your temper. Malice, the idea of wanting harm to come to somebody who's done something to you. And Paul said that you need to get rid of those things. This week, we're going to talk about what we replace them with. Next week, we're going to talk about the motive behind the things that we replace it with. Okay? So this morning, we're going to look at three things that we replace bitterness, anger, wrath, slander, losing our temper, yelling, what we put in their place. Because it's very important in the Bible that when you take something out of your life, you replace it with something. And so we're going to talk about those three things. And here they are. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. So, let's walk through those three things. Be kind. Um, I think that would solve most of our problems. Because I watch couples who can be incredibly unkind to each other. I watch parents who can be incredibly unkind towards their children. And Paul says, one of the things, if you want to get rid of bitterness and anger and slander and yelling in your temper, learn to be kind. Start to be kind. Now, 
That is a fascinating concept, and we don't have time to dive into it this morning, but if you've been around on Wednesday nights, we've talked about this. In the Old Testament, there is a concept called hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It's translated kindness, it's translated um, uh, mercy, it's translated loving kindness, and it's an Old Testament idea, and it's, it's central. You know how in the New Testament, if I were to ask you the most famous New Testament verse, what would you tell me? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Because we focus in the New Testament on the love of God. In the Old Testament, the focus for God was not the love of God, but the kindness of God. Hesed. If you've read your Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, one of the questions that you come up with, no matter how many times you read it, is this. Why in the world did God stick with Israel? I mean... He would be good to them, and they would, they would turn their backs on him, and he would still be good to them, and he kept taking care of them, and he kept coming back to them. Why in the world would God not just say, I've had it with you clowns? Hesed. That's why. That's why in the New Testament it says, it's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads to repentance. And so hesed is this incredibly Old Testament concept. In the New Testament... We call it kindness. Be kind. You see, it's pretty hard to lose your temper and be kind. It's pretty hard to be bitter and be kind. They can't exist together, so you have to get rid of one in order to replace with the other. That's what he says, be kind. Um, The word compassionate, be compassionate. Um, This is an interesting word. It literally means bowels. Your gut. Now, in our world, when we say we love each other, we say, I love you with my whole heart. Because we think the heart is the center of the emotion. Or that person broke my heart. That's what we say. We understand it's just a physical beating organ, and we understand that that it, it... it's, it's just a term that we associate with it. In the first century, they didn't call it heart. They called it your gut, your bowels, your intestines, your stomach. So we, in, the old te- in the New Testament, you would have looked at your spouse and said, I love you with my stomach, with my whole stomach. Um, you know, and so some of us can love more than others. Um, I mean, but I mean, the idea was, the idea was you were saying, with, with, with my whole being. And, and when he talks about being compassionate, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you need to have a gut reaction, if you will, towards people to try to see life from their perspective. You need to, be, you need to go that extra mile, so to speak, in trying to put yourself in their shoes, so to speak. He says, you need to learn, you need to replace those things with compassion. With the idea of just being tender-hearted. Um, in chapter 4, he uses a very similar word. It, the word means not calloused. Because it's easy to get calloused about stuff. It's easy to look past stuff. It's easy to not pay attention to it. And Paul said, look, if you're going to be a child of God, like God wants you to be, you've got to learn to be compassionate. And for some of you, you are, I mean, you are so tender-hearted. And there are others of us that we have to work really hard at this 
because we tend to be a little more hard-hearted about things, and, and we tend to be a little more calloused about things. And Paul says, one of the things you've got to learn is to be, be compassionate. Don't be so critical. Try to see something from somebody else's perspective. Try to walk a little bit in their shoes before you make that criticism about them. And then he goes on and talks about, and this is the one we're going to camp on the most, because this is the hardest. Forgive. Forgive. And there are a lot of people who are sitting here who the bottom line is you have been hurt by someone. And it is the one sore spot in your life. And the second I said forgive, there's a name that came up in your mind. That's what we want to talk about this morning. Because this is an issue that if we cannot learn to forgive, we will never grow. It will stunt our Christian growth. And we will get stuck. And Paul said, if you're really going to grow, you're going to have to get this under control where you can be forgiving. So, um, in fact, it's interesting. When you, when you study this forgiveness thing, um, the, old, the old writers and, and, and a lot of the, the writers from years and years and years ago, they, they focused on something called the spiritual disciplines. In other words, what, what, what characteristics are true of Christians who are mature and grow and what kind of things can you work on? And they talked about things. Um, they talked about oh, there's all kinds of disciplines, spiritual disciplines they talked about. For instance, one is silence. The, the ability to be able to sit and quiet and appreciate God. They talked about things like prayer, and they talked about things like fasting, and they talked about the one that was the, they said took the longest and was the most difficult, which really was a mark of spiritual maturity, was forgiveness. Because it was one of the hardest. So we're going to walk through this, and I'm going to talk about what it is and what it isn't, and what we need to do and how we can make some growth here and, and progress in it. So... With that in mind, let me give you a couple of ideas. In the Old Testament, there are seven words in your Bible that are used for forgiveness. Okay? When you look at them in the Old Testament, here's what they mean. In the Old Testament, it had the idea of to cover, to bear, to take away, or to pardon. To cover, bear, take away, and pardon. In the New Testament, it has the idea of to put away, to disregard, to send away, or, and here's the one I'm going to focus on, let go. Let it go. To send it away, to disregard, to take away, to let go. So let's talk about what it's not, okay? Because this is where, this is important. I want to make sure we have a good solid foundation before we start getting into making assumptions about this. It is not condoning what that person has done to you. It is not condoning. It's not saying that what they did was right. And I'm going to assume when we talk about forgiving that you are 100% in the right and they are 100% in the wrong. I'm giving them no iota for, you know, it was a little bit your fault. I'm, when I talk about forgiveness, I'm talking about something that was totally 100% all them and you had no ownership or involvement in it. You were mistreated, you were lied about, you were talked about, you were, you were drugged through the mud about, whatever it was, okay, it was 100% them and zero you. It is not saying what they did was okay. 
Sin is sin, and, and what they did was wrong. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them any leeway to, to excuse their ungodly or wrong behavior towards you. So it's not condoning. It's not saying, when I forgive somebody, I'm not saying what you did was okay. I'm also not forgetting what you did. You've heard the thing, forgive and forget. No, that's, that's foolish. Okay? You go, wait a minute, I thought you weren't supposed to, you're like, not to hold, no. I thought God forgets our sin. No, God chooses to never bring it to our account again. That's what forget, that's what, when, because theologically, think about this. If you have a God who can forget, don't you have a big problem now? So God can't like forget and wipe it out of his memory. Oops, I didn't, I forgot that they did that. No, it's the idea of when God talks about forgetting our sin, he talks about the idea of he's never going to bring it to our account again. He removes it from the, from, from the record book. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about forgetting. In fact, I would suggest it's foolish to forget when somebody has hurt you. Because what happens? Um, again, there's a fine line here, but be smart. Okay? If, 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 for instance, I'll give you an example. There are some people that are, I call them porcupine people. You know what I mean? When you get near them, you're going to get poked. You try to hug them, you're going to get poked. You're just going to get poked. Why? Because they're porcupine people. And they don't mean to be porcupine people, but they're porcupine people. Okay? Uh, one, one of my favorite books is a book where a guy talks about well-intentioned dragons. And he talks about there are people in this world that they are, when they open their mouth, people get burned. And they have the best intentions. But you know some of these people, you know who I'm talking about? You know, they have the best intentions in the world. But every time they say something, there's something in it that hurts. And, and when they talk about that, it's the idea of well-intentioned dragons or porcupine people. You can still be friends with them, but you, you, you don't forget that they're porcupine people or that they're well-intentioned dragons and get up close to get burned and poked. Instead, a porcupine person, what you do is you go in and you put on one of those, uh, those uh, you know, dog Kevlar cover yourself with Kevlar and big, huge gloves and a big mask and everything else. You go, okay, I'm going to go hug the porcupine now. Okay? Why? You, don't, you can do that. You can still be friends with the porcupine. You can still be friends with the well-intentioned dragon. But the bottom line is I'm going up there with a great big asbestos shield in front of me because I know when I get close, I'm, they're going to speak and flames are going to come out. And I'm going to protect myself a little bit. I still forgive them. I'm still not going to hold, but I'm going to be smart about it. Okay, so let's understand that, that it's not just forgetting and, and not, not being wise about how I deal with that person that has hurt me. The other thing is this. It's not always reconciliation. With God it is. God forgives us of our sins and reconciles us, and we who are his enemies now become his friend. There are some situations that, you know what, here's the thing about reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people. And just because you want to be reconciled doesn't mean the other person does. So there are situations that I've had where, in, in, in my world, I have wanted reconciliation, or I have wanted, I have wanted that, but the other person didn't. I know parents who, it breaks their heart because they want to be reconciled with their kids, but their kids want nothing to do with reconciliation. 
Nothing. And there's nothing that parent can do short of praying for that situation that will ever reconcile that. It has to be two people that want reconciliation. And so when we talk about forgiveness, let's understand, we are not saying, okay, you know, it, it, reconciliation is part of Reconciliation is a great goal, but both people have to want that. There are some situations that just, it, they're not going to be reconciled. The, the best that you're going to do is, uh, we'll say hi if we see each other in the store. So, so let's understand what it's not, okay? Now let's try to understand a little bit what it is. First of all, forgiveness is always personal. It's always about a person. A church did not hurt you. Someone in that church hurt you. That company did not hurt you. Someone in that company hurt you. So let's understand. Forgiveness is tied to a person, not an organization or an entity. It's personal. Something, someone in something hurt you, but that thing didn't hurt you. So let's make sure we understand that. Secondly, let's understand that. I assume that you've been wrong. Wronged. I, I'm not minimizing the hurt. I'm not saying that what they did was okay. We're not going to condone it. What they did was wrong. So we're assuming that you were the one that was hurt in order to grant forgiveness. We're also understanding that it's a process. This is not something where you're going to sit here and go, okay, I've decided I'm going to forgive them. Bing! No, here's what's going to happen. You'll decide that you're going to forgive them, and you're going to work through that, and then they're going to do something really mean and horrible to you this week. And it's going to come right back with all of its vengeance, because that's the way Satan works. It's a process. And um, I would love to tell you that I have been through this enough times that when somebody hurts me, I can forgive them right away and jump right back on and be, you need to go get another pastor. Okay? Because it's a process. And in some cases in my life, it has taken weeks, months, and in some cases, even years to work through it. Um, To my knowledge, I can't think of anything that I would sit here this morning and go, you know, I just won't let that one go. Um, you know, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, they're done. You know, if there's something, you've got to come tell me because I'm, I'm not aware of it. Um, of course, I'm clueless anyway, but, um, you know, my wife's like, you know, what? You didn't know. Who was it? Who was it we were talking about? We are talking about somebody. Oh, I know. We were talking about somebody, and they said, yeah, did you notice that, you know, they've, they've lost so much weight and stuff like that? I said, had no clue. Um, <laughs> really? I'm like, nah, I don't pay attention to that stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, it just didn't went right over my head. Uh, but, you know, it, it, let's understand that, that it is a process. And let's also understand that forgiveness is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. If you forgive somebody, you're going to pay the price. Not them. You're the one who decides to absorb the pain. You're the one who says, I'm going to take it all on me. That's, that, that's why it's important for us to understand. I, I'm not talking about easy Christian living here. I'm talking about where it really gets nuts and bolts. So you say, okay, why in the world should I let it go? You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad they hurt me. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. 
Number one. Christ forgave you. Now, that right there should be enough. There's other reasons, but this right here should be enough. You go, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Think about this for a minute. What? Christ forgave you, didn't he? Do you have any idea what you have done to him? I guarantee you there's nobody on this planet that's treated you worse than you've treated Jesus Christ. I guarantee you. And yet, he took all the pain, all your sin, on him. He decided to pay the price. King James says it this way, um, forgive one another, God, as, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It's this idea of, and think about this for a second, the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Everybody's prayed the Lord's Prayer, raise your hand. You ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Okay. Have you ever thought about what you just said? Father, forgive me as I forgive others. You really want to pray that? With an unforgiving heart? That's a dangerous prayer to pray. Okay, God, the standard for you forgiving me is how I forgive other people. You go, but you don't know how bad I was hurt. No, I don't. And I'm not excusing what they did. And if I, did, if I could do anything in my, in my power to undo what they did, I would. I'm not taking that flippantly. Because, I mean, you know, we're t- when we get into this issue, you're talking about people who have been hurt at levels you and I cannot even comprehend. And I do not want to minimize abuse and, 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 and those kinds of things that came with that. I'm not excusing that. But what you need to understand is forgiveness. Forgiveness is about you, not about them. Um, and, and, and this idea of forgiveness here, one of the reasons is you have been forgiven much, so therefore we forgive. Because we are Christ followers and we're trying to follow the example of Christ, and that is what Jesus did. Second thing is this. God is the judge, not you. See, when I, when I hang on to it, I'm trying to make that person suffer. I'm trying to take control of it. Instead of turning around and saying, okay, God, you have to take control of it. This is your situation. You have to deal with this problem. What happens is I take it all on myself. And the more I take it on myself, guess what? Anger, bitterness, wrath, clamor, all those things that, that I'm supposed to get rid of come flooding back. Why? Because they're all part of it. Because I'm making it about somebody else. And Paul says, look, you've got to get rid of that stuff. And when you get rid of that stuff, the only way to get rid of that stuff is to forgive. Is to step back in your life and go, you know what? I am going to let that go. Because it is destroying me. And that's the thing about bitterness. That's the reason I think you learn to forgive. Because it will destroy you if you don't. I don't think forgiveness is about personally, personally. I don't think forgiveness is about letting the other person go as much as it is about letting me be free again. And here's the crazy thing. If you'll think about it for a minute. Um, And I hate to use illustrations, but let me use, um, I'm going to use my wife, okay? Because I, yeah, 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 because I, 
this way. Okay, so, so here's the thing. So she does something. Um, I don't know. I can't think of anything she's done that would be mean towards me. She refuses to make me dinner. Okay? And I get mad, and I get angry, and I get bitter, and I refuse to forgive her for that. I'm just not going to let that go. You know, how dare you? You said for better or worse, and you need to make me a meal. Um, you know, even if it's a worse meal, just you need to take care of me. You know, but I mean, it, it, so whatever it is, let's just say there's something I, won't, I, I will not forgive. I will not forgive. I will not let it go. Let me ask you something. Who has control of me now? Her. The person that hurt me, I am allowing every day to continue to control me. How crazy is that? That not only did I allow them to hurt me once, but now I'm going to continue to allow them to hurt me every day because I won't let go of it and I keep focused on it and focused on it and focused on it. You ever met somebody who had an unforgiving spirit and was angry at the world? How much time did you want to spend around that person? Because that's the person you're going to turn into. That's the person you're going to turn into. And none of us like to be around those people. And none of us want to be those people. But Satan is smart enough to get us to think that it won't happen to us. But it will. So Paul says, look, you've got to be kind, compassionate, forgiving one another. As God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So, let's talk about how you let it go. Here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? First of all, if you have hurt someone, you're the one who hurt, did the hurt. You need to go to them and ask them to forgive you. You don't need to go and say you're sorry. You don't need to go and say you apologize. You need to purposely look at them and say, look, I am sorry that I hurt you. Will you forgive me? You go, now you say, why, why, why do you say, will you forgive me? Here's why. Um, oh, I'm, Jim, I'm going to use you as an illustration. I'm going to take the box for a second, okay? Watch this, okay? Uh, Jim, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Jim, I apologize for hurting you. Jim, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I didn't mean to hurt you. Will you forgive me? Now, yeah, I don't know what I did, but okay, awesome. Um, yeah, but you see what I'm saying? What's happened? At that point, it's not my issue. It is now his deal. I don't know if he will forgive me or not. It doesn't matter. I have now put the ball in his court. He is now the one that has to do it. And I have had situations where I've said, will you forgive me? And people said, no, I will take this to my grave. And then you go, well, what, what do I need to do to make it right? You can't make it right. It's his issue now, not mine. So I figure the right circumstance, the right time, the right place, the, and, and the right heart. And I go in and say, I, you know, I, I am so sorry I did this. I apologize. Will you forgive me? And now the ball's in his court. So many times we have accepted this apology and sorry as the deal. And we don't understand why we still struggle with it. Because we still own it. 
That's why. So if you have hurt somebody, you need to go and ask and deal with it that way. What if you've been hurt? Um, what I'm going to say, some of you are going to have a really hard time with, but you've you got to argue a scripture with it. <clears throat> the Bible talks about when you go to worship, and you remember that your brother has ought against you, you go to him. You leave worship, and you go take care of it. If you have been hurt by somebody, first of all, you have to go and let that person know they hurt you. You go, well, they know what they did. No. Some of us are clueless. And here's the thing. I've watched people who have been hurt by something, and they have not gone to that person, and that person had no clue what they did, and they have carried that around, and all those years, and then when it finally comes out, the person's like, I had no intention of it. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? That is the last thing that I wanted. And then they're like, you mean I've carried this all those years? So if, if, if you've been hurt, but you need to go to them. You go, well, I just won't go to them. Then you know what? That's your problem. You need to swallow your pride and go to them. If you've been hurt by somebody, you have to do that. You have to confront them. You have to deal with it that way. And then what they do with it is their business. You have to deal with your own heart before, before God. And you go, well, you know what? If I went to everybody that, I, that, that has offended me, I'd spend all week long going to people. Then can I say this as nicely as I can say this? You need to toughen up. If you're that thin-skinned, you need to toughen up. First Peter talks about this. When he talks about love covers a multitude of sin. There are certain things in certain situations that, you know what, my skin gets really, 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 really thick. I like what one guy said. He said that the, the, the dynamic of a good pastor is he has, to have the, the, um, he has to have a tender heart, but he has to have the height of an elephant. And here's what I've learned. This is just my life experiences. If I'm dealing with somebody in a crisis, usually death or hospital or, or sickness or stuff like that, I take just about everything they say with a grain of salt because they're hurting. And people in pain say stuff they don't mean. The old adage, hurt people hurt people. Well, when I'm dealing with somebody who's in a lot of pain because there's been a big loss, or this, and I've, I've had people say some of the most horrendous things about God that you could ever imagine. And you want to know what? It's like water off a duck's back to me. Because I realize it's the pain talking, it's not them. I've known them too long to know that's how they really think. And that's what they really feel. And I'm not going to take an offense, or I'm not going to get upset because of what they said, maybe even directed at me, or directed at how the church is taking care of them, or not taking care of them, or what church did or didn't do, or blah, blah, blah. And I just have to realize, you know what, that's just the, that's the pain talking. I, I, I can cover that with love and say, yeah, I know them, they didn't mean that, that's okay. You know? That's what he's talking about. It's the idea of, of, of letting some of that stuff go. And for some of you, if you're so tender-skinned that, I mean, you know, you, you're looking around, you're going, well, that person, I'm mad at that person, that person, that person, that person. Uh, take a deep breath. Ask yourself, is it really going to matter? You say, how do, how do you decide that? Here's my test. I, there's, this isn't Bible, this is just me. I ask myself, if I go to their funeral tomorrow... And I look at them in a casket. 
Is this thing that I've had that's so big going to be, am I going to be okay with that? Because I didn't let it go. Here's what I found. Nothing in my life that's that big a deal that I want to hang on to it at that moment. And I can't tell you the number of funerals that I've been to where people have said, I wish I would have taken care of it. I wish we would have talked about it. I wish I would have let it go. I'm sorry this came between us. It's not worth it. And so one of the things that, that, that I would say is that if it's a situation where somebody has hurt you, you need to go to them. You go, well, you know, I think I'm over it, but I keep, keep coming back to it. I keep, then you need to deal with it. You've got to be honest with yourself about it. How do you forgive? How do you step by step? Here's the first thing you've got to do. You have to refuse the right to revenge. You have to put it in God's hands and say, you know what? It's not about me getting even. It's not about me teaching them a lesson. It's not about me coming out on top and them coming out on the bottom. You have to give up that right. You have every right to it. But it'll destroy you. You've got to let it go. You have to let that part of it go. Second thing you have to do is you've got to stop keeping score. Contrary to what your kids are being taught, when you keep score, there is a winner and there is a loser. My suggestion to you would be, if you're keeping score, there are two losers involved. Nobody wins. Some of you in your marriage need to put away the scorecard. Well, they did, you know, they don't understand. Like, I did like six things for them yesterday, and they only did like two for me. I don't know how many things I did for my wife yesterday. And I don't know how many things she did for me, because we don't keep score. There's not a scorecard. And, and, and some of you, that, you, you've got to get rid of that scorecard. Why do my kids are so unappreciative? I do this and this and this and this and this and and they don't do anything. Put away a scorecard. Put it away. Well, you don't understand. This person did this and this and I, and I helped them and on this occasion, this occasion, and then I did this to them and I, and I helped, this, helped them with this and then, and then they treated me this way. You're not going to be able to have a forgiving heart if you're keeping score. And you've got to get rid of the scorecard. And you've got to understand that that is not going to help you be forgiving. It's not, I'm going to tell you right now, it does, it's, keeping score is not going to help any relationship end up healthy. And for some of you, really, this is an issue at home. You know, it's like, well, well you know, you talked about being kind. I was kind to them like 15 times last week, and they weren't kind to me at all. It was 15 to zero. Yeah, that's called marriage. You go, what? I thought marriage was 50-50. <laughs> you haven't figured it out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anybody's been married a long time laughing right now. They're going, yeah, all right. No, there are times marriage is 100-0. It is 100-0. You're constantly giving out because maybe that person is incapable of giving or responding. And it's 100-0. And you know what? That's okay because there's other times that it's 0-100. Where you're not able to contribute, but they're doing everything for it. That's called marriage. And for some of you, you really need to get rid of the scorecard. And that's what's happening in your marriage. You're starting to become unforgiving, even towards each other as spouses. You've got to absorb the pain. 
You go, but it hurts. What they did to me hurts. I understand. I'm not minimizing it. But you have to. See, that's the problem. The six things that you put off, they were all focused on what somebody else did. I could be angry at them. I could, I could yell at them. I could lose my temper at them. Being kind, that's about me responding that way. Being compassionate, that's about me responding. Being forgiven, that's about me responding. It focuses down to me growing, not about them. It's about me. And forgiving is about that. You have to absorb the pain, by the way. You want to know our model? What did Christ do? Innocent person who did nothing wrong took upon him the sin or the pain, the whole world. He absorbed it all for us. That's what forgiveness is. It is when somebody has hurt me, not excusing it, not condoning it, I absorb the pain. And I step back and go, you know what? I'm not going to let it. I'm going to say, I'm going to be, I I like what one guy says, I'm going to be the hero. And I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to say, you know what? I will absorb the pain. I'm I'm going to let this go. I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to hold this to your account. The last thing is this. You've got to let God be God. You go, PJ, what you're talking about is impossible for me to do. Bingo. You got it. The only way you can be forgiving is to allow God to work in your heart to help you develop an unfor- a forgiving heart. This is a God thing. This is a Christian growth thing. This is a thing where God has to work in you and through you. That's why I say this is like the ultimate Christian maturity. I'm going to suggest the New Testament teaches, you want to know how you've really mastered this with that person whose name came up when we started? Is when you can do something to be a blessing to them. And still feel okay about it. I think that's the ultimate. I think that's the ultimate way where you can know when you're in a situation to bless or do something for them. You don't have to. But you have so much let that go. That you're okay with being a blessing to them. Um, I think that's the ultimate. I I had a situation like that where it's not why I did it. But I had somebody hurt me, and they hurt me deep, and it took me years to get over it. And I was in a situation where I could do for something for somebody who was very, very close to them. It wasn't a big deal, but I could have given it to I could have given it and done it for somebody else, but I decided to do it for them just because they happened to be there. And I don't I think it was a God thing. I think it was a thing where God was working in my heart to really help me make sure that I got a you know what was so crazy about this thing? I did it, didn't think anything of it, and then this person who had hurt me really bad came up to me a couple weeks later, ran into him somewhere. They ran up to me and they said, do you know that person was connected to me? I said, yeah, I did. I knew exactly who they were. They didn't know what to say. They had no clue what to say. You know? Because I didn't do it to make a point or anything. I did it because I could do it. And I'd love to tell you that every situation has been like that. It hasn't. I'm still I'm growing just like you are. But listen, the thing about forgiveness is it will destroy you if you cannot learn to forgive. And you will be angry. And you will be bitter. And you will start to slander. 
And you will start losing your temper. And you will start having malice in your heart towards that other person. And none of those things are healthy for your growth. And when Paul writes to his people, he says, look, get rid of those things. But if you get rid of those things, you're going to have to replace them with something. The thing that you replace them with is kindness, compassion, forgiveness. So I'm going to end with this. We put on kindness, compassion, and forgiveness as God's children. We do not forgive because we feel like forgiving. We forgive because we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is setting someone free and finding out the person that you set free is really yourself. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, we get so enamored by things that have happened to us. And Lord, for some of the things, Lord, they're just so overwhelming and so deep and so destructive. And Lord, it's amazing that we're even here. Lord, we have people here who have been hurt at levels that some of us could never comprehend. And Lord, so while forgiveness for some of us is about smaller things, forgiveness for others is at a deep, deep level. And God, I just pray that you would show them your kindness and compassion and grace. That, Lord, they'd help, to help them to understand that, Lord, this is really about them going forward. More than it is about letting someone go. And, Lord, I pray that you'd use it in each of our lives. Lord, we need a world to see a group of people who forgive, who are kind, and who are compassionate. So, Lord, use us this week when we have opportunities. To be kind to those people that we work with. To be kind to those people that we're doing business with. Lord, for that cashier, for that waiter or waitress. That, Lord, they would see something in us that is different from the other people that they deal with all week long. Use us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may people see Christ in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.